something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Y'all ready? Let's go. Welcome, this is Michael Collier's world. Started on Venice Beach, now he reaching the world. He'll make you laugh till your stomach hurts. Super fly, nice guy. And pray if you need the word. Probably dress to the nuts. Come on, get ready for the star search winner. An OG three times, this ain't no beginner. Whether you in your house, you on your breaker, out to dinner, on your job, in your bra, turn it up. And remember, Michael Collier. Michael talks to everybody. Michael Collier. Michael talks to everybody. It's your boy, Michael Kaya, and yes, Michael talks to everybody. Guess what, y'all? We're black. I mean, part two. We're, this is the second part of the topic, the mess in Memphis. And I mean, it, man, it's just terrible. Here's the thing. It broke my heart, mainly because I love my mama, you know? And all I could think of is these five black men beating another black man to death but all of their mamas saw this. Their mothers, their mothers' friends saw this. Their kids. Anybody who ever thought anything decent about them watched them act in this animalistic behavior. And the sickening part is after they got through beating this guy beyond being senseless, that they would sit around smoking cigarettes and laughing about it as though it's one of their exploits, you know, as though it was a joyful exploit. So there is... Folks who are saying it's a rush to judgment, but I think 
Thank God for that blue light pole. I think that folks saw those videos from blue light poles and knew that something had to happen right now. Something drastic, something real. I don't know if they knew they can go all the way to the heaviest charge, but I think they went with the heaviest charge they thought they can get, they can get away with. And my brother, Ronald Cowley in Chicago, who's on a job 27 years, he said, man, I have never seen uh, cops charge that quickly. He said, in Chicago... A cop could cut your head off. He's still going to get charged for two, three months. You know, so they said, when this happened, extraordinary part. So anyway, we started talking about this uh, on our last show, and now we want to pick it back up. Uh, We have Judge Joe Brown here with us in the wings. We have uh, Joe Jones, uh, who's with, uh, he's, he, well, he's a cop, he's an ex-cop. I got a bunch of ex-cops on here. And also, I'm going to be bringing on Dre, Dre Cowell, who's been a, a police officer for 25 years. Uh, Joe's 20, was well, nine and a half years. And of course, the judge, man, he's done everything, man. He's been a prosecuting judge. He's the first uh, black, uh, 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 well, anyway, it's a lot. We got a lot of intelligent folks who know about this topic. We're going to get back to where we left off right now. But first, I want to slide in a guest. This this gentleman is a poet, and I think that his poem sort of gives you sort of a feel of how some of the desperation we feel as young black men. It seems like there's so many different ways for, for folks to take black men out, you know? Either they arrest us and put us in that prison system, or they kill us in the streets, or they make sure we can't move in the right neighborhoods, or they tear us away from our, our families. It always seems to be some type of conspiracy to keep us from moving forward and doing our thing. Now, it's on us to be strong enough to get through that, but a lot of us don't get through that. And so we want to sort of help cheer you on and point you in the right direction. So let me bring back on a friend of mine. We're going to start this 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 second segment with a friend of mine who's a poet named Red Storm. And uh, he's going to just bless us with a poem. Then we can jump back in this topic, The Mess in Memphis. Hey, brother, how you doing today, uh, Red Storm? What's going on, homie? Red Storm is here with us. He's a great poet. And uh, like I said, I think a lot of times... Um, there are things that sort of eliminate the black men from our society. This is one of them, but it, it's just, it's just so terrifying when it's our own, when a black man can do this to another black man. And once again, uh, y'all know he didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know that blue camera that they put up there was for us was actually watching them. So they just let it go and went wild. You know what I'm saying? And did stuff that they thought they can get away with. And of course they didn't. And a lot of times God does that. God has set you up in a situation to bring to light some mess that's been going on. You've been getting away with for a long time. He'll slip a banana peel in there. And all of a sudden you go, whoops. And everybody go, ah, oh, is that what you're doing? Red Storm, what's your thoughts? All I can say, Mike, is when it's going to stop. We from Chicago. So George Floyd was a couple years ago, and and it happens again. But the thing is, it's from black folks. And, like, how you going to see us going through all this and you be a black person and do what you just did on camera? And it's crazy, but, you know what I mean? We've been going through this for a whole lot of years. And it's it's always something. You know what I mean? And it happens. And it's like when it's going to stop. So from a poet standpoint, you know, I don't like to write about things like that, but I write about society in itself. So mm-hmm. 
I mean, do you want me to just go into it or? Yeah, go go and spit it. I mean, you, you said your feelings, and I want to hear that because I want to hear people's feelings across the board. Go ahead. So we got to go back to the underground, the sewer. They treat us like manure anyway. So we got to take our soldiers underground to judgment day. No longer the prey of your slave master ways. I speak from the graves of the ones you hang, the ones you gang bang. I hear the souls of the countless that go unnamed. We sing and praise in church, but no change. They beat dude down like it was broad day. It's a crazy world. They got us marching in the wrong way. Now blacks, police killing blacks. I write these words in a strong way. No Toby here, straight Kunta Kente. Plus I'm a poet, so don't tempt me. I start writing this stuff, man, and clear the prisons, break the systems like Cyrus from the Warriors. Pop and notorious. You killed them too, and you bogus. Shots from the crowd. Another savior down. But I just had a child, Mike. Another savior found. The Terminator is in the White House. They want to push the button and turn our lights out. That's why, as a poet, I stay underground with my mic out. Rest in peace. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. I wanted something like that, something spirited to just sort of move the soul for what, how we feeling, man, as a people. And it's coming on. What a slap in the face that it happens to us from our own people. Just when we finally trying to manage getting these other fools off our back, Most it's our own fault. <sighs> Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate you, man. All right. I tell people how they can find you, though. Uh, Red Storm Chicago, it's right there. Yeah, Red Storm Chicago, we doing the album, and we gonna do some stuff with you about Westmont Drive, and we gonna talk about everything that's going down in the world. But what I want to get across is, it's gonna happen two years from now. It, it, it keep happening. It keep happening. We keep having these conversations, and it's. It keep happening. Now it's from a black person. And it's like crazy. We done did all this work to keep white police from killing us. And now it's some black people that's doing it. And that's like we taking two steps forward and taking 10 steps back. You know what I mean? Well, well we, working, we working on a solution, though. That's why we're talking about it right now. Because we got to find a solution. Can't keep happening over and over. And it does keep happening over and over. But these conversations, we're hoping, will help us figure a solution out, brother. So I appreciate you. And I'm with the solution, and I love you. I love you, brother. Thank you, Red Storm. Chicago represented. Appreciate you. Hey, so you know what the topic is, y'all. You know, it, <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. My mama saw that. My mother transcended and she saw that. It broke her heart. It breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of any black kid who accidentally saw that. You know, so I want to bring on and 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 Judge Joe Brown is going to join us again, and so is Joe Jones. But first, I need to bring on uh, Drake Howell. He's uh, he was with the Toledo, Ohio police for twenty five years. I want to know his how he's feeling about what's going down. Hey, King, how are you today? What's going on, Mister Kyle? Your pleasure being here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you, bro. Thanks for saying yes, brother. You saw it. What was your take? It it was probably Mike one of the most 
deplorable things I've seen in law enforcement. I mean, you go back. I was a kid when Rodney King happened, and all you can do is go mm-hmm. back to this. And, um, and when you see it, I actually showed it to my class the other day. Um, today, what? Yesterday. Today's Tuesday. Yesterday. How, wait, how old are the kids you showed it to? These are my high school uh, juniors. Okay. So they're 16, 17-year-old, and they're in, in the justice program. And while they're watching, I'm slowing it down and pausing it and just saying um, and breaking it down. And the very first day of school, I told them this is my first year teaching this program. I said the very first thing mm-hmm. I told them is 90% of police work is how you talk to people. And if I come up to your vehicle and say, hey, my name's Officer Kyle, I'm a Toledo police officer. May I have your license registration, please? Or if I run up to the car the way they did and they're screaming, get the fuck out the car and what they're going to do to you, your natural reaction is your life is online and you're going to do whatever you have to do. You're responding that way, whether you want to and think, let me just do what they say. When they're grabbing you, your hands are protecting you. When they're punching you in your face, but telling you to put your hands behind your back, well, the only way I can keep my face safe is my hands are there. Now, you five officers given five different commands, and I would stop it at each point. They're saying, lay down, lay down, and I would pause it, and I'd ask the class, where, where is he at? Laying down. Get Lay down. Get on your stomach. I'm on my stomach. Not once did you see a pair of handcuffs out. Mm. I didn't even realize that. They keep saying, put your hands behind your put back. Behind your back. They're holding him, they're grabbing him, they're kicking him, they're punching him. Not one, right. one person ever said, hold him still so I can cuff him. Wow. That didn't even, I didn't even realize that. You, you said that you're right. In the size of them guys, there's no way that four guys couldn't have a limb and hold him till you can get one arm cuffed. And now two guys grab the other arm. And I've had my students, and I granted mm-hmm. young males, young females, but I gave them all an opportunity to handcuff each other before this ever became an issue. But I said, give, handcuff each other, practice the way that it happens. Okay, put your hands behind your back. Okay, give me this hand, pat them down safely. Okay. Now I, I told each group, two, two on two, I said, each one of you, I'm going to let you handcuff somebody that doesn't want to go to jail. And they was like, who? I'm like, me. And I gave them, and it literally would take two, three, four people, 15 minutes to get me handcuffed by me not fighting, just refusing to put my arm back there. Yeah, wow. But if it's that size of group of young men, well, I would say young right. those four, those five black officers weren't small dudes. And as they weren't small, I'll get back to the beating part. So as we're watching this, we're looking at it and I'm pausing it and telling this, okay, how do they expect him to do this, do that there? We talk about how much training they have. How does this gentleman get up and get away from five of you? If you're doing it the way you're supposed to do it, you're not worried about handcuffing him. You're worried about beating him because there's no way he could have got away from five of the police officers I work with, not five of us. So they're beating him, and at some point, which I let it just play, and when they had that young man stood up, and he's his hands are behind his back, and he's just throwing blow after blow. Well, I'm on him, yeah. Mike, I'm telling you, I had tears coming out my eyes, and I've seen it 10 times, and it still hurts because I got six daughters, and I got one son, and I pray that he never— he hear, I don't hide anything from him. I just tell him how the world is and try to prepare him best I can. My friends have sons— like And like Mr. Jones stated, I said, I see it from three different angles when Black Lives Matter really took off. I saw it as a black man, I saw it as a black police officer, and I saw it as a father of a black son. So wow. I understand there's times that, and, and Mr. Jones even mentioned how foot pursuits. Mike, I take pride in the fact that I've never thrown a punch in 25 years at anybody. I struggle to get guys handcuffed, but I've right. never hit anybody. If mm. I, if I caught you, 
You, like he said, 25, 30 years ago, you ran from the police. You said it. You got your ass beat. And I I take pride. I've never done it. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the inner city. I lived in the inner city. My grandmother, God bless, just celebrated her 100th birthday last year. Lived in the inner Listen. city. And I go visit, and I don't want to be looking over my shoulder because I've gone through this community and disrespected and beat up on these young black men. Well, you know, I tell you, I, my tears didn't come until until they got through wailing on him and setting him up against the car. My tears came while they sat there and let him just sit there with with the ENTs watching and him just falling over. They would only go over to set him back up. Now, you know his brain had already swelled. Right. So the last thing he needs to do is be laying down anyway. But they would just set him back up. They gave him no help, you know, and, and the thing that— brought the tears for me is as they sat there casually smoking cigarettes, like like they had just cut the grass or something. Like it was nothing important that happened. It just did a thing as they joked about it and laughed about it and compared who got the most spray in their eyes. I mean, really, I've never seen such a bunch of goofy motherfuckers with pistols in my entire life. It was just the worst shit ever. And I don't think justice was quick enough. I thought the first day they should have arrested all them bastards, but they didn't know the first couple of days about that camera on the pole. And when that came up, it's like, ah, uh, we're going to have to do something right now. We're going to tear this city up. And that's why people didn't tear the city up, I believe, because they saw some form of justice, some attempt of it happening. Listen, I want you to stick around. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, I'm bringing all three guests back, and we're going to give our final notes on this. And I just really appreciate you saying yes. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Hey, y'all, we'll be right black. Buy something. I don't even know what they're selling, but buy something. When you buy something, then I get a couple of dollars off of that. And I need something because I'm trying to buy this new coat that I saw over at Neiman Marcus. It was beautiful, but uh, we'll talk about that later. We, we're going to break. We'll be right back. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, 
take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And we're black. We're all the way back. It's Michael Talks to Everybody. Today's episode, we talk, we're really talking about the mess. And, and and let me tell you, I love Memphis. Let me just start with that. I, I'm not a big Memphis barbecue fan because they got some stuff I don't food around. They put vinegar in the barbecue sauce. The barbecue sauce be yellow. I, I'm, yeah, it, it's not natural, yellow barbecue sauce. Mine have to be red. I can't have that now. But the food there, the soul food, the hospitality, the people— I love Memphis. It's absolutely beautiful. But I'm telling you, I scared as could be with the police stuff, man. Look, I, that police going to do that to you for traffic? I was driving seven miles an hour. I was terrified all the way to the show and back. But I love that city. And uh, maybe it's too soon to joke about that. But uh, these police are the worst ever. And now I want to do some final notes. Bring some other people in. See what they they say. And Dre, uh, uh, Dre, you're still with us. I want to bring back uh, Joe Joe. And also the wonderful, the awesome Judge Joe Brown. Uh, we're gonna do final notes on this. On, on first, what, so I'm gonna ask both of you two things, all three of you, two things. First of all, in a few sentences, what is your ending feeling on this? And secondly, what do you think is going to happen, if anything? I'll start with you, Dre. Um, my my feelings on this is it's. It's scary, and it, it gives people the impression that no matter if I react the way they want me to or the way they expect me to, this is going to be the end result. You do mm. it, you put your hands up, 
you know, let me see your hands. Then they're going to say, put your hands behind your back. You didn't do it fast. So whatever it is, and it's, it's scary. And it's scary. Like I said, I'm a law enforcement, retired law enforcement officer. And I don't get that anxious when I see cars behind me, but I fear for everybody else that doesn't, that, that, that doesn't know. I mean, can't say doesn't know that may have to go through this. And it's, and it's, and it's only going to stop when these punishments start becoming as swift as this, as quick as this. And I heard somebody say, well, they did it too quick. No, this is how it should be done. This is how it should be done on the regular. It shouldn't be five, six months. You on paid leave collecting a paycheck and that family's grieving the loss of their, their loved one. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you're sitting somewhere hitting off somewhere. So this is how it should have been done. Maybe like you said, it wasn't quick enough, but the only reason those reports reflected the way they did is because they didn't know that Trump card up the sleeve of, the, of that, in that poll. That so, poll camera. <laughs> you can write the report all you want to, but when that camera says, I don't see anywhere, anywhere, he grabbed anybody's gun. And they kept saying, I saw him reach for your gun. I kept, they kept saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know he's on drugs. He, he's right. on drugs. I, I, I salute that camera. And when that camera came on, I love the technology of it. That camera saw movement. Right. It focused and zoomed in. I was like, what's going on? Where's that camera? I didn't realize that that's what the camera was at first. Well, Mike, let me real quick. When you mentioned that everybody's actions, you remember the guy that came in with the baton and struck him several times right. and walked off. Nobody, walked off. nobody ever stops to try to handcuff this guy. Because if it, at that point, they, they maybe never try it again. Maybe they realize once we handcuff him, we have to stop. Okay, I got to keep going. Let me move to Joe Jones. Joe Jones, what's your overall feeling? What you think is going to be outcome? Well, first off, my 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 tears came a long time ago when 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 the gentleman was uh, begging for his life and said, "I can't breathe." He said, "I can't breathe," and they continued mm. what they did. And uh, you know, I've always been an advocate and a person who had a problem with with people who were bullies and taking advantage of people because they can't, because they have the opportunity to do so. So this situation mm-hmm. uh, took me right back home, took me right back to pain, took me right back to a place of complete discomfort to see men beat another man simply because they had the authority and the ability to comp- accomplish their goal without anybody doing anything about it. Um, I always say that cowards and bullies, man, that they're all going to meet their match one day. They're all going to meet their match. We may not see it. We may not know it when it happens, but they're all going to meet. Mm-hmm. And this situation just took me back home to a terrible place. And, uh, you know, I, I absolutely was appalled by what I saw. And uh, I, I just pray that this family can can get past this type of thing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, finally, Judge Joe Brown, I, I, I thank you, too, for being here. You got so much history with law enforcement and so much history with the city itself. So your final your final thoughts on this situation. I did not see a botched arrest. I didn't see police procedure. I saw some individuals who happened to be cops who were carrying out a hit, but not unintended homicide that looked like there was a targeting of a specific individual for a specific mm-hmm. purpose to punish. I think the reason that's out there for that is ridiculous. But I also look at something else, too. It is consistent with what's going on in this city. And in my mind's eye, I see 648 other families with lots of people included who have lost 
loved ones due to homicide over the last 24 and a half months in Memphis. And what I saw wow. there was what I've seen over the last 50 years a lot. It was brutal. Candidly, I've seen worse. But when I have seen anything that looks like that, it was not so much in the context of police behavior, an arrest, an apprehension. What I saw was typical of what used to happen with gangs. And that's what I saw. And somebody needed to find out what the motivation was. Somebody needs to go into what's going on and Officer from Chicago, you run a training session. See, there are some other big issues here, too. What would you say to somebody engaging in force, use of force training in a squad car with no classroom attached to it? What would you say? You're talking to Dre. You're talking to Dre from Toledo. Go ahead. From Toledo. All right. Now, what would you say to a police department that has the policy due to personnel shortages in the 14th largest city in the country? It's 65 percent black with a majority black police department. Did you leave the training when it comes to use of force policy and procedure? You saw the no handcuffs and all of that to what happens in the squad car. You don't do it in the classroom. And the police officers involved range from 23 years old to 32 years old. There was limited experience here. This was just pathetic from start to finish. We have people, and this is bad, we have people, families, who've lost loved ones, and they can't get any cooperation from the local police or the sheriff's department about what happened. They don't get any word. Some of it is just as bad. But questions come up. Is there something special about this case other than the gravity of what you saw that may explain the anomalous conditions that came upon about the rapid prosecution here for indictment, not the arrest warrants and stuff? You have another problem here And I'll say this, you have two very outstanding defense lawyers who've tried murder cases in front of me personally. They don't play around. And if you charge these officers with second degree murder under the circumstances as they are right now, you're going to have a situation where you're likely to get voluntary manslaughter is the convicted charge. And since you have officers with no prior offenses, The maximum sentence they can get is six years, and the presumptive sentence is three. And it's also subject to mandatory non-discretionary probation. So we back to nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And why is that at fault? Because somebody didn't get into the case, and somebody should have looked into why does it look like it's a hit. And they upped those charges? Well, the problem is, is ordinarily— you wouldn't have a grand jury indict somebody in less than two weeks after the event. You would conduct your investigation, file preliminary charges, see right, what could they up the you charges? could come up with, and then you could present first degree to a grand jury and see if they returned a true bill. Right. Now you're going to have a very embarrassing situation if you have to go into court, dismiss the indictments, and get a first degree charge. It looks very sloppy. And 
personally have some circumstances I won't even get into about why this situation is special relative to the other 648 families who are upset about the murders that have occurred here. So I'm saying this was horrible, no question around it. But we've got an undercharge under the circumstances. What kind of situation do we have right here where you can look at it? They didn't even try to handcuff anybody. They didn't pull out a gun on anybody. They're going 60 miles an hour, not zero to 60, but flat out full speed as soon as they contact this guy. Under Tennessee law, he actually had a right to attempt to escape. Now, there might have been a counter thing to a jury of an inference, but he's dead, so you can't even go in there. Now, we have a lot of things going wrong, and the problem is that right now in this police department in Memphis, Nobody is in charge. The morale of the cops is flat zero. And the question comes, why did the mayor, why did the city council, why did somebody bring in a civil service chief who is immune from firing except for good cause for the first time in 41 years? Why did they get somebody who was under criminal investigation in one city, left under a cloud, and they dropped all of the events. When okay, left. I got, then I got a wrap, Joe. In, and then bring this person in here with two prior cities and episodes of guess what, concealing evidence that led eventually to successful prosecution. Now is she running against you, Batch? No, she's not for mayor. No, oh, okay, all right. But I got right, so to be able to solve elected, all that. I got to figure out what to do with her. Yeah, when you become mayor, and you're going to, I'm pulling for you, you're gonna, you'll be able to solve all that. You'll be able to solve all that there. But I got to wrap now. Well, yeah, just one verification. The charges she was under investigation for, she blocked the investigation and the prosecution of a child porn charge, porn ring, that was successfully prosecuted. And then she went on to someplace else, and that one was... You got a situation where you were covering for with, other people. I don't know what that has to do with what we're talking well, about. Well, you know what it is in terms of the atmosphere for what's going on in the police department. If nobody's in charge, we don't okay, answer so, to anybody. We do what the hell we want. See, that That's bad. You can't let that happen. Okay, but I just don't think that was the case. I think it was the case of five guys who were out of fucking control, who acted like animals because they thought nobody was looking, and that we need to find a way to deal with that. And I, I also think it's a situation where humanity was left out of the picture. You know, it wasn't even about right or wrong or legal or illegal. What about fucking humanity? You don't do that to a human being. You don't stand there and watch that shit. I know it you can't don't, happen. But why so, but it, but but you could tie it up to all the political ramifications that you want but that's not what we're looking at right now right now we're looking at how these guys was out of control and how we need to deal with it Judge. i had 42 first degree murder cases i tried I, I defense know. lawyer I know. death penalty demanded it looked if they to were me, smart it looked to me like a planned hit this guy was not a random motorist i need he you to be the prosecutor on this one we need you to come in and prosecute this one, though. But he looked like okay, a target to me, and you had some idiots who were out of control thinking they could use it. They was cats and jammers, man. They were Keystone cops. Dre, what were you saying, sir? You find them? It's all disheartening, but just to see that not one of those guys had the decency to just say, hey, stop, stop, let's, let's get him together, yeah. cuffed or whatever. And it's when the guy said, mm. I saw him reaching for your gun, 
is bullshit because if I if I'm if we're all four cops and we're working together and I see the suspect's hands on Mr. Jones, Judge Browns, or your or your gun, I'm pulling my weapon out and using deadly force because at that point I feel like we're in danger. So that's where you know that all this is starting to come together to cover. Just making shit up as they go to try to cover up, but it's too late to cover up because the blue light candle camera was at they butt top. Hey y'all, we gotta wrap. We gotta go. This was good stuff, everybody. Uh, I hope that we generated ideas out there and generated people's thoughts. And so you can reach out to your local people. You know, if you feel like your politician ain't doing the right thing, that's why it's important that we vote on a local level, not just the biggest thing that comes up. But those local jobs are the ones that really be running the cities and stuff. And we really need to, to get better people in place. If you don't like the folks in there doing a job, if you don't like that job, let's replace them. Let's get the vote in. And some people say, well, that vote don't mean shit. Maybe not. I, I don't know anything about anything, but I do know what we watched was it was tantamount, not tantamount to a slave beating, you know, except the slave masters were actually the slaves themselves. And I feel sorry for them and their families and anybody who claim they know them because they ain't shit. And I like to tell them face to face, but I'm, I'm afraid they'll be spending most of their time in jail if things work out. So anyway, we got to go. Uh, the topic was uh, the mess in Memphis or that powerful, powerful blue light pole. Woo, woo, woo. I'm your boy, Michael Kai. And today I was with Judge Joe Brown, uh, Joe Jones, and Jay Kyle. Anyway, all these guys are experts in the field of law enforcement and procedure. They know what's going on. I just want to get different people's opinion. And they all different, too. Oh, my God. They different as night and day. And they all had their opinions. So we're going to see you at our next show. Thank you for tuning in. It's called Michael Talks to Everybody. You can always follow me. Just go to wherever you pick up your podcast and put in Michael Talk to Everybody. Also, don't forget to watch my morning show, the Michael Kyle Morning Show, five days a week on YouTube. And uh, it's going to be so good. Hey, y'all, get out of here. Remember, God loves you. Life is a garden if you dig it. And uh, that's all I got to say except bye. Is that it? Bye. Just say bye. Wait, okay, bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs> See you next time. I had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks to Everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram, just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael Kaya 135. I have a very sexy webpage called TheRealMichaelKaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. Or if you really love me, you can go to my cash app. That's dollar sign, Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I I accept green stamp, food stamp, Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it. And my morning show, oh my goodness, the Michael Kaya morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time, yo, five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. <laughs>something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.